0: Another reading from Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff, Richard Carlson, Ph.D. Chapter 31. Become aware of your moods, and don't allow yourself to be fooled by the low ones. Your own moods can be extremely deceptive. They can, and probably do, trick you into believing your life is far worse than it really is. When you're in a good mood, life looks great. You have perspective common sense, and wisdom. In good moods, things don't feel so hard. Problems seem less formidable and easier to solve. When you're in a good mood, relationships seem to flow and communication is easy. If you are criticized, you take it in stride. On the contrary, when you're in a bad mood, life looks unbearably serious and difficult. You have very little perspective. You take things personally and often misinterpret those around you as you input malignant motives into their actions. Here's the catch. People don't realize their moods are always on the run. They think instead that their lives have suddenly become worse in the past day or even last hour. So someone who is in a good mood in the morning might love his wife, his job, and his car. He is probably optimistic about his future and feels grateful about his past. But by late afternoon, if his mood is bad, he claims he hates his job, thinks of his wife as a nuisance, thinks his car is a junker, and believes he's going nowhere in his career. If you ask him about his childhood while he's in a low mood, he'll probably tell you it was extremely difficult. He will probably blame his parents for his current plight. Such quick and drastic contrasts may seem absurd, even funny, but we're all like that. In low moods, we lose our perspective and everything seems urgent. We completely forget that when we are in a good mood, everything seems so much better. We experience the identical circumstances, who we are married to, where we work, the car we drive, our potential, our childhood, entirely differently, depending on our mood. When we are low, rather than blaming our mood as would be appropriate, we instead tend to feel that our whole life is wrong. It's almost as if we actually believe that our lives have fallen apart in the past hour or two. The truth is, life is almost never as bad as it seems when we're in a low mood. Rather than staying stuck in a bad temper, convinced you're seeing life realistically, you can learn to question your judgment. Remind yourself. Of course I'm feeling defensive or angry, frustrated, stressed, depressed. I'm in a bad mood. I always feel negative when I'm low. When you're in an ill mood, learn to pass it off as simply that, an unavoidable human condition that will pass with time if you leave it alone. A low mood is not the time to analyze your life. To do so is emotional suicide. If you have a legitimate problem, it will still be there when your state of mind improves. The trick is to be grateful for our good moods and graceful in our low moods, not taking them too seriously. The next time you feel low for whatever reason, remember, remind yourself this too shall pass. It will. This is more of a look at uh, the self and emotional intelligence within self. But today, We're going to talk a little bit more about emotional intelligence and we're going to look at, you know, developing our emotional intelligence to become better influencers. So with that, let's just get right into it. Let's go.
1: Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian
0: Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian, and I am Ed, and this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We started off the show with a little excerpt from a book that I recently received called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and it's all small stuff. But what you got from that was it was talking about emotions and how your emotions can override things that are going on in life, and you really don't notice it. Well, today's show, we're actually going to get into that we're going the show today is influencing with developed emotional intelligence and it's a way for you to help understand your emotions and and teach you some lessons or or just present to you these lessons uh to help you better deal with those emotions so where we got a lot of this information from was actually it's from a very highly successful book uh called emotional intelligence by daniel goleman um but we both read some articles, uh, Ed and I, and there's tons of information out there about emotional intelligence. And what we wanted to do was to try to break it down so we can help other people with this. Because I know I've had problems with in the past. How about you, Ed?
1: In the past, I still do. I've been looking forward to this episode so that hopefully uh, I can help be a better person myself. So hopefully I'll learn something today.
0: Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's funny you said that because... Just this morning, I mentioned to you earlier just this morning, I was Mr. Grumpy pants, um and I was allowing negative emotions to almost kind of like build up. But then I got to talking to you and we started laughing, and I feel great now. it's just I don't know it's what you just you must be a likable character, I don't know,
1: and uh, you know, I'm a big wrestling fan, and one thing I learned is the importance of charisma, and sometimes uh somebody that is charismatic can rub off on somebody else. I came, just came from work and I was Mr. Gr- Mr. Grumpy pants and it's way too early for adult beverages. And, uh, so it's just me and my puppy here. And I mean, she always makes me happy, but yeah, I, I've been looking forward to it. And, and I, I love being on here, uh, doing this with you.
0: Oh, it's amazing. I, 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 you know, you're not the only one. I was looking forward to this, uh, ever since I sat down with a bearded ninja about <laughs> this show. Um, we actually, so he pulled up an article, the, the article I sent you and, uh, we sat there and we covered it and we just literally talked about it for like an hour and a half. It was just, it was an amazing conversation. Really enjoyed it. Um, so, well, let's get right into the meat of this. Well, what is emotional intelligence? Well, let me read you what the definition here of what I've got. Emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize your emotions, understand what they're telling you and realize how your emotions affect people around you. It also involves your perception of others. When you understand how they feel, this allows you to manage relationships more effectively. So finding yourself in that predicament of understanding emotional intelligence, um, it can be confusing at first. And what we did was we broke it down into the five steps that Daniel Goleman basically gives us, but we did it more of an, um, I guess you could say layman's terms or we like, as we like to call it in the Army, Barney style. And we broke it down into those five areas. And so what we're going to give you is the five emotional intelligence compasses with solutions to success. Uh, We're going to start right off the bat with number one, self-awareness or reflection. Understanding yourself by knowing your emotional strengths and weaknesses. All right. This also could be known as how others perceive us and see our emotional state. And how we're able to evaluate others. So when it comes to self-awareness. Ed, have you ever become self-aware of like your mood or how you were feeling?
1: Yeah, I, I do recognize it. So, and what we do. All right. We're talking about emotional intelligence and how it can impact those around you. Uh, as I've gotten older and matured as a soldier and a leader. I've realized the impact of my my mood on people around me. And so I, I, I'm, I'm fairly decent at self-awareness most of the time, not all the time. So there's there's some loaded words in some of these things. Some of these things, when we read the articles, it says uh, always, you know, you always are aware of how you feel. Well, eh, I'm, I have a problem with always because that's just simply not true. There's times when you don't realize, but yeah, I think as a leader, it's super important to, to kind of have an understanding of uh, your what your mood is and how it impacts
0: one of those things is like you we could each sit down and think about um you know those emotions we've had towards or a reaction towards something for instance uh let's say somebody came in and they brought you some bad news you know did you jump to conclusions and is your mind starting to race are you starting to like are you getting angry really quick and now you're making you're popping off with answers that probably aren't the right answer to the situation or Maybe someone's bringing you something that's um, really happy, right? And you're getting really excited about it. And instead of thinking through uh, the the problem or or, or the, the the situation that's presented to you, you just start throwing out answers that you think is the right answer, but really might not be. And you know, it's funny you said that. You said always. Um, that's also part of the whole. You know, there's self awareness. And then there's the reflection side of it, because being self-aware is like in the moment. Reflection is usually after something has happened. And, you know, what you just said there was always. Well, exactly right. We can't always be self-aware. But once something has happened, we may think back. I know I've caught myself doing it before thinking, oh, wow, I can't believe I said that. Or I can't believe I reacted that way and then had to go back and uh, adjusted course in a sense.
1: Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. And and so for me, this is, I actually think self-awareness is probably uh, one of the more important pieces of emotional intelligence. Because really, if you're not self-aware, you're going to struggle with the other four that we're going to go over. And you'll see that as we go through today. And I, I also believe, so I have to understand who I am because uh, honestly, authentic leadership comes from the inside and goes out. So for me to be this authentic, good leader to my subordinates, whether it be soldier, civilian, whatever, I have to understand me first. And then I can uh, let that let that flow and uh, influence them from the inside out.
0: Yeah, that's I mean, and that's right there. The inside of being able to just do self-awareness and reflection that just that one step, it can help us in so many levels. Now, it's funny. I think about that. How many times have you ever, let me ask you this, because this is where I, this is where I I get the self-awareness and reflection. All right, Ed, how many times have you ever been in an argument with somebody and then an hour later, you're still fuming about it and you're thinking about what you should have said?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I should have said this. Actually, I've probably done this with you. Maybe not fuming, but we have probably had a disagreement (laughs) on a point and then I'll walk away and say like, "Oh, he got me, but I should have said this and, and yeah, that would have made more sense." Um that yeah, I've definitely done it. Um do you have you ever
0: found yourself and cuz I have. I I've done the same. But have you ever found yourself where you've tried to hold on to that thought of what you should have said and then try to find a way to interject it just so you can make a point of getting your point across?
1: Well, yeah, and sometimes it's not the best because sometimes I'll think of something that I could have said sarcastic, not the greatest answer, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna figure a way to work that in because that would have been pretty funny to me at least. Uh, but you know, and it, but it's not a good thing to hold that stuff in because um, you know when you put yourself in a bad mood, you really aren't changing anything. So when you let stuff like that build and and fester and you you fume on that argument well for that hour that you're worried about that argument that you had right you're putting yourself in a b- bad place as far as your mood and nothing is changing the argument's still the argument it still happened everything was said the way it was said you didn't change anything you just made your mood worse so yeah that's a big part of self-awareness to me
0: Exactly. And it really goes back to what I read you know, during the intro about, you know, your mood and you just have to learn to let it override. But it's, it's just, I always found it to be funny because I, that was one of the traits I didn't realize that I, or I'm sorry, just one of those areas I didn't realize or have, um, awareness or self-awareness in until years down the road, because I'm telling you in the past, I would fume about something and I would just, I would let it build up inside of me and then my emotional state would just, it would just kind of be like an atomic bomb ready to go off looking for that chance to plug what it is I wanted to say. And you know what the worst thing was, is sometimes I would say it at the wrong moment where it made no sense whatsoever and had no effect. Yeah. So, but, but that's what we're getting at. We're talking about the self-awareness. That's step one of this emotional intelligence competencies. That's along with reflection. But we want to do is we're going to give you some different solutions to success at each one of these steps. So let's talk about these solutions to success. What do you got for us,
1: Ed? Oh, well, the first one that I found was keeping a journal. I know this sounds really weird, but sometimes you may not even really keep a journal. If you start writing something down, um, it it helps your self-awareness. And you may realize that why am I still upset over an argument that Brian and I had an hour ago? Um, so that's one of the techniques you could use just, I mean, a lot of people, um, so I recently started doing some light meditation. And so I'm not keeping a journal, but I clear my mind through that meditation. And I think about these different thoughts that, you know, about my day. And, um, I think that that helps with your self-awareness as well, but I'm keeping a mental journal. I'm just not writing it down. But it's too easy nowadays to jump on a computer, throw open a Word document, and write a few thoughts down. Maybe when you get to your desk, maybe before you leave uh, work for the day, write something down on a Word document and save it because then that could also help you not take your frustrations home with you and create problems at home.
0: Yeah, keeping a journal. You know, and it's funny, um, writing things down, you say that. I I've been in a meeting before where I was just I was flabbergasted with the the comments that were being made or or the suggestions and ideas and I've literally sat there. I'm not joking. I've sat there and like wrote a little you know when I take notes I write, I draw like a little box and a, and a hyphen and then I write what it is I want to write. I draw a little box, I did a hyphen and I wrote this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and then I put period and then you know what I did? I checked that box off. and that was it but that was like kind of like my way i didn't want to say it out loud because i really because of how i felt because i knew it wasn't conducive to the environment and that's you know this is one of those things that sometimes we get you know i i mean i you know we doodle we do things like that but there's just some things that we should try to do to try to kind of like clear our mind from that negativity journaling is hard to do it really is because i've tried to attempt it multiple times I I have to suggest that maybe people who want to try to use that skill um try to find prompts to help them do that journaling because that you know that uh finding the right thing to 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 come up with you know just to write something it's not easy but sometimes a prompt can help us really establish that that foundation.
1: Oh yeah, no I I uh so I remember I had a soldier who was going through some stuff and was going through uh adult behavioral health and they told him to write the journal But they told them to write a journal and then kind of write down what they thought at that moment about what they were going through to try to help them cope. Uh, I've also seen people say, "Okay, well, I'm super frustrated with my brother and I'll write him a letter and I'll vent my whole frustration that letter and then I'll rip it up and throw it away. I never sent it because it's supposedly going to help me calm myself down, put it on paper. So there's a lot of different techniques out there and you can find some through uh, research. The one thing I want to ask you, so you said you made these check blocks and you put these things that made you angry or frustrated you about the meeting, correct? Yep. All right. So did you ever sit there and think about why those things made you frustrated and angry? Did you take a moment? Um,
0: I would have to say mm, sometimes yes, because I would go through the thought process of, I, I guess – try to put myself in their shoes and which we'll obviously going to hit to in a little bit, but I would try to think, okay, well, why are they thinking this? You know what I mean? But out of the other times I literally was just being a negative Nancy and, <laughs> and anybody out there named Nancy listening, we're not talking about you. Um, but, but literally I would, I was just, you know, in a negative mood and I was allowing my emotion to override my thinking. And I knew it after, and that's why I would write it down and I would check it off so I can say, all right, well, In my mind, I'm thinking. Oh, I'm checking this mood off. Let me move on.
1: Okay, so that's fair, and that is actually one of the techniques for dealing with self awareness. So what you were doing is slowing down, right? And you were thinking about why, and you were remember. And so the big thing is, uh, you you always choose how you react to something. So rather than lashing out in this meeting, interrupting the meeting, maybe embarrassing somebody, you chose to write it down. And, and that's how you coped in that moment. So you, you had a technique, you were using the slow down technique. Well, okay. So that, that, then obviously
0: I was doing techniques and I didn't even know it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But if you were self-aware, you have known, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it, but it's a technique, right? You can write it down and, and you can think about it. And so I've done that too. And I definitely do the little boxes uh, and I'll write something down and maybe, Uh, You know, Schmuggatelli says something crazy, and I may write it down, and then I'll think about how I want to approach it, and then maybe I just pull Schmuggatelli aside and we talk about it, and we peel back the different layers of what he said, and now I understand, and I'm glad that I didn't fly off the handle because I controlled my emotions.
0: Right yeah so so would you kind of consider that being like intros introspective you know and kind of like see seeking honest feedback of yourself or
1: yeah i i think so and then some of it you know i'm older right so it comes with a little bit of uh i've I've been around the block and i've been the guy that got embarrassed by somebody who didn't like what i said so but yeah i think so i think it's kind of looking at myself and then Honestly, isn't it? That's really mentorship, too. So if I pull Shmugatelli aside and we talk about maybe Shmugatelli has an aha moments like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said it like that. I really meant this. So now you're mentoring, too. So you're you're having an influence on Shmugatelli. And the next time he's in a meeting, he's going to remember that. You know, it's in
0: that internal that internal feeling being projected out of us that I mean. There's so many times that we can get overwhelmed. We just want to blow up and allow, you know, allow ourselves, but really kind of recognizing because you can feel it. You can feel, you know, the vein popping the side of your neck or your blood pressure. You can, you can literally feel your blood pressure going up at times. You know what I mean? Especially as you get older, but being able to recognize that and then be able to adjust fire. You know, um, uh, one of the things I read here was about, uh, becoming an internal change agent driven to improve weakness and strengths weaknesses and strengths what what do you think about those
1: well i think it's still self-awareness right i can't understand who i am if i i need to know my strengths and weaknesses maybe i know that whatever Schmuggatelli said is a trigger for me i know that that's a weakness for me so i mean when we say strengths and weaknesses we're not simply talking about like your strengths and weaknesses um physically maybe it's something mental maybe it's not it's all part of self-awareness. I have to understand who Ed is before I can effectively lead those appointed under me.
0: Absolutely. That makes sense. Hey, um so I got this book I've um I picked it up not too long ago. It's called The First Time Manager. Now, I'm not really big on the whole management thing. I I I like the idea of being leaders versus managers, you know, or me in my case, I like the idea of being an influencer, which I think you could be a little bit everything. But I was in this book and I was looking. I was, on, I was literally within chapter two. And this is, this is what it said about managing your feelings. It's, it's funny. Uh, you should work hard at being even-tempered. But it is, n- it is not a good idea to be the kind of manager who is never bothered by anything. A person who, has, who never seems to feel great joy, great sorrow, or great anything. People will not identify with you if they believe you disguise all your feelings. So in the same manner, when I read that, I think to myself, I have to be self-aware, but I don't want to completely close off who I am. Right?
1: Uh, No, you don't want to have you don't want to completely close it off and you don't want to be that guy that just because you come across like you just don't care. There's no vested interest in whatever it is. So you got to be very careful with that. And I actually think that kind of plays into um, into our next point uh, of emotional intelligence. Would you agree?
0: Oh, definitely. I, I definitely have to say, though, uh, right off the bat, I think it's about keeping your ego in check, too. Right.
1: Ego is a big thing. Yes. <laughs> that that, and that's kind of difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we'll allow that internal uh, feeling to um, inflate our ego in a sense and that gives us that sense of, you know, like, Oh, I'm the, I'm the person blah, blah, blah. You know, that, you know, just, we don't realize, and we don't think about things through because ego takes over and it becomes this nasty, destructive, uh, uh, being. So, that so we just talked about self-awareness and reflection, but now we need to probably dump, jump into number two, which is self-regulation and discipline. Uh, this, is considered taking control of your emotions when faced with challenge or stress. So you think about decisions and outcomes uh, in how they correlate to your emotions, and then you be reserved in your language towards others. And then also holding to your own personal values and, you know, not become a slave to your emotions in itself. But basically what we talk about, like this, this sense of discipline is to be able to, Hold true to who you are. For instance, um, if if there's no cussing at work, right? Right. Um, you know, at, at our current at the at the the place we work together, there um, we had a policy letter, policy letter number fifteen, and it said no profanity, right? But you know, how many times did somebody maybe have done something that really wanted to set somebody off, or you see something you want somebody to stop? And in the army, you know, the language of the people is. You know, profanity, profanity. Don't do that, profanity. You know what I mean. And that's it's one of those things that it that they became accustomed to. And and obviously, we've done a real good job at moving away from that, you know, type of language. But being able to have that discipline to stop yourself in the moment and use the correct language and to ensure that you're not uh, going the wrong direction, you know that that can be pretty tough. What do you what do you think about self regulation and discipline?
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna stray from the language thing because I I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, uh, in the in the classroom environment, I didn't find it difficult not to use profanity. I, because so I what I did is I treated it like I was around my niece and nephew, and I, I mean I don't swear around my niece and nephew. I don't use profanity. I've never used profanity in front of my mother except maybe twice in my entire life. And I'm 40 plus years old. So I just use that in a classroom, but that's self-regulation. I have seen people who are really bad at this. Um, mm-hmm. I, and, and so when I became a leader, I, I promised myself that this was one that I was going to be better at than him. Uh, I had a guy, man, this dude would cuss you like a dog on a regular basis. Um, and it's, it would be his peers. Like he would cuss his peers uh, I've seen him cuss his seniors. He cussed those that worked for him out and, and those verbal attacks, like that's not building any capital with us. So when, when he attacks me verbally and he's using all his profanity and then he asked me, Hey, I really need you to just hang out for like another 45 minutes. Somebody's coming by to get this paperwork. I, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to put the effort into it. I don't want to go above and beyond because he didn't build that capital, which we talked about in a different episode, but um he had zero self-regulation, and this dude had 20 years in the military. Uh, I definitely saw him or heard him tell our commander to stick a vehicle up his backside because he got angry and that that's a lack of self-regulation. so I said, you know we learn from good leaders, we learn from bad leaders that will never, ever be me and there you ain't gonna find too many soldiers that can say I've ever talked to them like that now here and there, maybe. But that goes back to my self-awareness at the time, you know, as a young leader, not being aware my triggers and when I was in a mood with that effect had. But as I've gotten older, it's going to be really hard to find somebody that can say they honestly uh, saw that kind of behavior out of me.
0: Oh, yeah. You know, we can take this a little further and say, you know, I've made this same analogy over and over again about two different bulls. It's what you gain and what you lose, because as an influencer, it's really what what are you gaining and what are you losing? Um, and I'm not, when I say gain, I don't want to mean it in the manner of like, oh, I'm gaining profit or I'm gaining all the, no, I mean, as in, you know, what is out there that's going to make life a little bit better? You know, for instance, you think about that. Um, if you're somebody who just pops off and uses a ton of vulgarity, uh, towards someone or you, or, or maybe you don't use vulgarity, but you're very, uh, demeaning and, and you, and you, you you try to cut people down. If you're that type of person, what are you gaining and what are you losing? I personally feel as an influencer, you lose so much. You lose more than you think you lose. You gain nothing. What, attention for a moment? And then everybody thinks, well, that guy, he's just an idiot. Or that they have that type of attitude. And <clears throat> that's having that self-regulation and discipline to be able to remove yourself from that person that you think you were and to try to think things through um, in, in a manner that's honest you know uh, there's this one of the students because I used to brief the students all the time about all right so hey listen you have to understand we have policy level 15 there's no cussing you know blah you know I would go on and on about it and let them know hey just you know be careful and one of the students once he literally excited at the very end I would say hey you get any questions he stood up and he asked me, he's like, so how do you do it? And I, I didn't know what he was talking about. He, I said, what do you mean? How do I do it? He says, how do you go through a day without cussing? I said, because I eliminated it from my vocabulary. I don't need it. You know, I found other ways to go about it. And that's just, that's just an idea behind it. I'm not saying that like, okay, well, all self-regulation discipline just eliminates that. No, it eliminates the emotion to want to do such a thing. You know, uh, but let's talk about so we talked about, um, you know, taking control of our emotions. Our emotions can also lead into our decisions and thinking, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Uh, And and so that's where the discipline comes in to me. So self-regulation is about keeping yourself in control, right? Well, if you're in a meeting let's you, let's say you and you're in your checkbox and you write these things down, And you lose control and start screaming at this person, like, what's the impact? What's, what's how you make that person feel? How do you look to those other people in the meeting? And then now, you know, maybe they made you angry and you don't regulate yourself and you lose control. And now they ask you for some time off or something like, so that could all play into your, your, um, into your decisions, but it goes back to self-awareness. You need to be aware in order to regulate yourself so that's why i say these all kind of build from that self-awareness
0: yeah uh, you know and that makes total sense Yeah, it's just it's the idea you know that when you are self regulator you're disciplined um your decision making process may become a little bit clearer but let's Let's get into some solutions to success with this. Uh, let's let's talk about these solutions to success that uh, we've kind of come up with a little bit. And we've had obviously help. It's not just our ideas, but it's ideas we found out there. And then we've kind of peeled together or not peeled together. We've pieced together. So what do we got here, Ed?
1: All right. Well, the first one I got is, and it, and it is from an article that we'll put the uh, link in the show notes, but know your values. So you have a clear idea of what is absolutely important to you. What will you not compromise as a person, as a leader, as a father, as a husband, a wife, whatever. What's that thing? What are those things that make you you or your code of ethics? You have to understand your values um, in order to regulate yourself properly.
0: Yeah, that so that values piece, that that right there, it's funny because you hear that all the time from all kinds of different things, you know, about how values, oh, set values, do the values, you know, it's like really <clears throat> what are your values what do they mean you know what is this about values you know uh because even in the army we have like we have our like seven core values we call it you know and and there's the acronym leadership loyalty duty respect self-assertiveness honor integrity personal courage you know so and those are all things that we're supposed to kind of like be our guidelines right but i mean how do we i mean really i mean how do we know what our values are you know i i that's why i you know like i don't like it when somebody lies to me that's one of the biggest things in the world like i i just i have a problem with if someone lies to me then it's almost like they've destroyed my relationship so i find that valuable to me and is that how we could say that okay values are what we find valuable
1: well it's kind of so i said it before your code of ethics Mm. it's these are the things you're not willing to compromise. You're not willing to compromise. So value of people lying to you falls right into integrity. So you value integrity and you're not willing to compromise that I, I value, and I, and it could be because of how I grew up. I value the loyalty and we're not just sticking with the army values, but I absolutely value loyalty. If you do something that's not loyal to our relationship, whether it be friendship or whatever, then I'm going to be honest with you. You're probably going to get cut out my life and I'm probably not going to deal with you because I need to be able to trust that you have my back. I need to trust that you're loyal. So that's one of my big ones is uh, loyalty. And then once you take these values, once you understand your values, so we can go back to your question about decision-making, this is where your decision-making comes in. Because if I understand what I'm not willing to compromise – me making a decision, mm-hmm. a moral or ethical decision is not going to be that difficult because I know I'm going to base that decision on my set of values.
0: That's a great point. Yeah.
1: A Wonderful point.
0: All right. So, so we talked about building your own values, you know, based on, and you basically create your own code of conduct, so to speak. Um, what else we got here, Ed?
1: Oh, I like this one. So we're going to, we're going to freestyle this one, but, uh, so hold yourself accountable, We've talked about on this show a few times the book by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Extreme ownership. Take responsibility for what you do or say or your actions. You need to be able to say, Yeah, I messed that up. So I I you know, I I did some uh I was setting up a meeting at work and I didn't I didn't bring up the slide deck, right? The slideshow. And you know, instead of saying, well, you know, it took forever to load or this section didn't send me their slide. I just said, I, be honest with you, I just, I, I forgot. I I meant to bring it up. I didn't. Um, same thing. I had just had it in school. I think I told you. I thought an assignment was due the Sunday coming up. It was due to previous Sunday. The professor emails me and says, hey, this assignment's due. You didn't turn it in yet. And I just emailed back and simply said, hey, I messed up. I lost track of the schedule. It's my fault. And you know what the the consequence was he didn't deduct points because I was honest and I held myself accountable. I took ownership of what I did.
0: That's what I'm talking about. You know, it's it and it's funny that, you know, we both um, are so, you know, kind of engulfed in that that extreme ownership type of mentality. It's it's more revealing now than ever. Ever since I've I read that book and then I started listening to Jonko and his piece, I've become more uh, aware. So my self-awareness has increased on the ownership piece. I mean, to be able to own anything that is negative or positive. Now, for instance, if say there was something really good at work, you don't say, oh, yeah, that was because of me. No, that's not my ego's jumping in. You own it. You can feel like you own it, but you don't express it in the manner. Instead, you know, you give it to those who really, you know, everyone who helped you, you know, get to that point of making something successful. But having that ownership when something negative happens, that can be the toughest thing you do, but over time gets easier. I mean, it literally gets easier because you have that mentality of, wait a second, This is my fault because this didn't happen. I should have done. And now you, I find myself now, man, brainstorming why I allowed something to happen that I may have not really had as much involvement with that I should have had more involvement with. You know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah, no, I absolutely do. (laughs) It's, it's so, I mean, it's just having ownership is a whole, it puts you on a whole nother level as an influencer. It really does. I mean, you have the ability to readjust. Your relationships with others, and they will look at you different. People will look at you completely different when you have ownership on sale. Oh yeah, they look at you as if you're an honest and upfront person. So definitely, ownership is key to being self-regulated.
1: Yeah, and so go back to the the slide that when I told my supervisor that, hey, uh, yeah, I messed that up. You should have seen a look on this guy's face because in the military, everybody wants to make an excuse and everybody wants to blame somebody else. But because I said no, I messed that up. It was like uh uh do I get mad at you do I just say alright <laughs> you know so
0: and said he and said he, I'm proud of you thank
1: you yeah he, he didn't know what to do and, and you know and I can imagine that professor has probably heard a thousand excuses and when I said hey I lost track of the schedule that's my fault I did that I, he was probably like oh wow and maybe that's why he didn't deduct points for it being late because I was up front with him I didn't say hey you know my dog ate it or none of that craziness which Nowadays with computers, that would be interesting if my dog ate my my surface. But um, yeah, so you take that ownership. So that's one way to deal with self regulation. Though you you take your you make yourself accountable. And then this one here, um, you shared something that you do with this one. So I, I, I'm gonna tell you, it's practice being calm. This one. So my point on this is, we talked to the bearded ninja, and uh, I, this is where I throw in nobody's shooting at us. It's not that serious, and he was very good at that. And that's why I like that saying, nobody is shooting at us. There's no bullets flying by. So why are you freaking out and screaming and shouting and running around like a chicken with your head cut off? Because honestly, you're you're not productive when you act like that. So what's something that you shared with me earlier that you use on this practice being calm?
0: So what I have decided to start doing, and I did it, it's been some time ago, but then I just recently read about it. So I'm going to read the passage after I talk about it. Um, I like to use deep breathing. Um, and it's really just like deep breath in deep breath out and it uh, you know it kind of allows the blood to flow and allows you to like take a moment and it doesn't take long uh really 15 30 seconds that helps calm me down for a moment because sometimes you know aggression or or, or over excitement can get can be overwhelming and to be able to take those breaths right you know to help you uh but it really helps um so what i found was so this book is uh, by Mark Devine, uh, it's The Way of the Seal. Think like an w- elite warrior to lead and succeed. Uh, now, Mark Devine has multiple different things out there, and he is very good at uh, you know, basically controlling his emotions, um, obviously because of you know his position in the SEALs team. But under Principle 5, Forging Mental Toughness, he has a section called Control Your Response. Um, and I'm going to read that real quick and, we'll, and then we'll talk about SEALs call it arousal control, but it's not what you may think. In the teams, we're taught to use the breathe as a method of inhibiting our physiological arousal or our fight, flight, or freeze response, previously known as fight or flight. The breath is the link between the sympathetic nervous system, which leads us into response mode, and the parasympathetic nervous system, which brings us back into balance when the coast is clear. When triggered, the sympathetic nervous system pumps hormones such as cortisol, adrenaline, epinephrine, and norepinephrine into the bloodstream, causing immediate physical and psychological changes that ready the body for massive action against the impending doom. However, Without the skills to rebalance these systems at will, especially in a world where doom is often more metaphoric than true threat, it becomes a liability. And what he talks about here is basically within the SEAL teams, they use this uh, the, this technique. This they call it "breathe," and and that's what it is. It's taking the the moment in time to calm yourself down. Um, I found myself using that more and more. Uh, so let me <clears throat> let me give you an example. We talked, I think we've talked about it before. Um, It's anxiety and how anxiety can overwhelm us, you know, having a panic attack or whatnot. So I talked about this in a a class recently that when I came back from Afghanistan, the first time I went, uh, was it? No, it was the second time I went. And I was home alone by myself with my son, who was a little over a year old. Well, there was, you know, this massive storm coming through and it was, you know, tornado warnings going off left and right. And I'm, and all of a sudden I felt myself in this just crazy panic mode. I didn't know what to do. My mind was racing. I I was like, I I literally felt helpless. And I thought to myself, how in the world are you going to go from a situation where you were down seas, not even a month ago. And, you know, you know, things going on, you know, all the time. And now you're here in a a safer situation and you're reacting like this. And for, it took a split moment in time to realize that, Hey, wait, wait, I'm overreacting. My emotions are getting the best of me. And my anxiety is taking over. I started, this was the first time I used the deep breathing, but I didn't know what it was then. I just, I took some deep breaths in and let up because my heart was racing and stuff. And I always knew that, okay, if your heart's racing, you know, you, just, you know, breathe normal and it'll, it'll even itself out. And I did so and it completely refocused me. And I was, I just felt better to know that I, I was able to control that. And ever since then, I've been trying to use those techniques. And now that I'm learning more about it, I'm, I'm realizing, Hey, that's just a normal response that I had and I'm learning to control it. So, but yeah, deep breathing, I find it to work.
1: Yeah. No, deep breathing is amazing. And, uh, we talked about, we talked about resilience. Uh, that's one of the techniques and then they add that visual thing like visualize. So let's think about what we did the other day. We did the Christmas special episode, right? And mm-hmm. if you do the deep breathing and then visualize you and your family sitting there on the couch and you're participating in this podcast, it's gonna, it's gonna bring out some pleasant thoughts and it'll get, that will get you through some tough times. So I think that that's an excellent technique to use is that deep breathing in order to calm yourself,
0: yeah, absolutely you know and, and in the same sense, when you're doing those visualizations because those those can be key and important too, but visualizing the good that can come of you know the bad times, so you know, for instance, just doing this podcast, you know it takes it's a lot of work. It really is. If people have never done it, it can be a lot of work because, you know, Ed's doing a bunch of research, you know, you're doing your research on that. end. I do my research on this. end. plus we have all the different editing and, you know, these different things. And it it, it can be sometimes it can be overwhelming. You know, you're like, wow, I got so much to do and I got to get this knocked out. But taking those moments when you feel like that and you feel that little overwhelm, you know, and and then flip that switch to say, there's a reason why this is being done. There's a reason why I'm doing this and to be able to go into your mind and just, you know, and just thinking about it, it helps go through the whole regulating yourself and, and to have that discipline to get it done the way you want it to be done.
1: Yeah, so. no, I, so I, I, you just made me think uh, a buddy of mine, he may or may not listen to this, but his name's Henry and he, him and I were soldiers together and uh, this other guy made him, had, I mean Henry was ready to put his hands on him. Henry's a guy. He's from uh he's from Brooklyn and you know he grew up in a rough lifestyle, but so he's ready to go fight this guy. And I'm trying to stop him. And I mean I'm bigger than him, but I don't want to get physical with him. We're friends. And I end up telling him, Hey, I, I want you to do me one favor. I want you to stop. And he stopped. And I said, Just think about your children. And he goes, Oh, you're dirty. And I said, Why am I dirty? He says, Because if I think about my children, it calms me down. And it did. And he ended up not fighting this guy and probably saving his rank, you know, and and he ended up being a Sergeant not too long after that. So I've used it against other people too. that visualization. So it definitely will calm you down.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And one last thing that I, it wasn't in any of the articles we we've discussed and talked about, but one last thing is when I'm dealt with a certain situation or, you know, like say somebody brings me a problem um, and I want to react a certain way. I like to come up with three different courses of action in dealing with that issue. You know, so let's say somebody says, All right, well, we had um X amount of computers go down. Instead of popping off the handle, I want to come up with three different courses of actions real quick. So it allows me to create that thinking process and get out of that emotional state. Because instead of jumping up and going say, Hey, what's going on? You know, I'm trying to get this fixed. Instead, I'm trying to say, okay, well, here's a solution set. Let's try to fix this X, Y, and Z. But coming up with three different courses of actions also allows you to go into three different types of mindset, which almost does like, it's kind of like a reset in a sense. And to me, that works. Um, Other people may have other ways, but it's just coming up with an idea of how to self-regulate and and, and have some self-discipline.
1: Yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, I think that would be a good one. I don't use that one, but I can see where that one would absolutely work, and maybe that's something I'll have to give a try.
0: Yeah. All right, so let's move on to number three, motivation slash purpose. It's important to know why you were doing what you were doing and have a positive mindset of a success. Knowing your, your why and anything you do has to be your center of focus always. If you're unsure of your why, then your motivation will obviously drain much quicker than normal. So understanding, you know, the motivation and purpose is all linked to your why. What do you think about that?
1: Well, You know, I'm a big fan of the why. Uh, after you had me read the Simon Sinek book, it starts with why, but it does. So for motivation, it, So what is my, you know, what is my motivation? We see it in movies, you know, they'll have somebody who's playing an actor and they'll say, well, what's my motivation? Well, that's just asking what's my why? Why am I doing this? Same idea. My motivation is driven by understanding why, you know, if you don't, if you just tell me go dig that hole, I'm going to dig it because I'm a soldier and you told me to. But if you say go dig that hole, we're expecting to be a counterattack tonight or an attack tonight at this time. Blah blah blah. I'm gonna dig that hole for purpose because I understand now why it's important. I hurry up and get this hole dug. Where if I just you just tell me go dig it, I, it may take me a while, but uh, you know I'm not gonna be motivated to do it. So you have to understand your why to understand what motivates you to push yourself to to, to provide the best possible product or effort.
0: It's funny you said that about the the foxhole or digging a hole or something. You know, we're taught to do that early on in our army career, but it wasn't until years later that I understood why we did that because somebody explained it to me. It was it, it was like a light switch went on once I understood. And I was like, "Oh, you mean this is to save my life?" <laughs> yeah, got it. So, it's funny that you brought that one up. Let me read a small passage of uh, a Real quick though. Are you, uh, are you working on your find with why book on the, uh,
1: yeah. Find your why. Yes. Yeah. yeah you were supposed to help me with that, but yeah. we might have to do that one through, uh, through, uh, the internet now, but you were supposed to actually help me with that. But yeah, that the find your why book is a good compliment to the Simon Sinek. It starts with why.
0: Yeah. I have my version in my hand right now, actually. And I, I have to I, I have to admit and take some ownership here and tell you I haven't done one thing in it except for read some of the first couple chapters. Um, <laughs> but I do want to read something out of it. It's actually on page 13 of it. Uh, it talks about why goes much deeper to understanding what motivates and inspires us. It is the purpose, cause, or belief that drives every organization and every person's individual career. Why does your company exist? Why did you get out of bed this morning? And why should anyone care? When we meet new customers or clients, the first thing most of us tell them is what we do. When we explain how we do it or how we are different, this, we think, will be enough to win their business, sway their point of view, or convince them to take a particular action. The following pitch follows that template. We sell paper. We offer the highest quality product and the best possible price lower than any of our competitors want to buy some, you know, I've heard him say that multiple times on uh, the different YouTube videos that I've watched. And it's just, it's funny. And uh, those of you, uh, I'll make sure I put this in the show notes, a link to Amazon, but uh, it's funny. Every time I think of anybody ever saying why you do something, my mind goes straight to him. And then it really helps me understand motivation and purpose better.
1: That's interesting, though. Know, but I do, too, as soon as I hear why I think of him. And then also the five why exercise that we uh, use uh, when we're teaching. I've I've taught that a couple of times, too, so I kind of think about that as well.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about some keys to uh, solutions to success in this. All right. Um, right off the bat, we just talk about Simon Sinek and the why, right?
1: Yep. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's actually the first way you can improve your motivation is re-examine why you're doing your job. Understand the why. I mean, we I think we covered that pretty well. Um, the second one actually is know where you stand. How motivated are you to lead within your organization? And I can tell you, if you go into the Google machine, there's a few um, leadership motivation assessments that you can do that could help you understand exactly how motivated you are uh you are to lead uh and and that giving you that understanding creates that uh self-awareness back to self-awareness creates that self-awareness in you as a leader.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think about that too, that self-awareness. I think about different levels of motivation and you know how I find myself either I'm not motivated, um I'm just trying to get the work done or I'm extremely motivated. And I that's kind of how I gauge mine. Um, what about yourself?
1: Um, yeah, so th- I try to, I mean, I try to fake it a little bit if I'm not feeling particularly motivated, especially if I'm in charge of something, I try to fake it just so that I can have, cause again, understanding that impact on those with me. So, you know, if I'm filling a ba- bunch of sandbags, okay, I'm going to be the most mot- motivated sandbag filling person out there because I want my subordinates to follow that lead and, uh, and to get out there so that i can influence them and they're like wow if he's that motivated i should be too i've always kind of been the uh let's get my hands dirty because if i get my hands dirty they'll be more than willing to get their hands dirty kind of guy
0: so let me ask you what's some other ways uh, we can use for solutions to success on this
1: so this is one that i'm in not the best at but i have improved but be hopeful and find something good motivated leaders are usually optimistic no matter what problems they face. So no matter what problems they face, they tend to have an optimistic look at it. Uh, Every time they face a challenge or even if they fail, they try to find at least one good thing about the situation. And this is something I've improved on since I went to that Master Resilience class, but I'm still not where I wish I was.
0: Would you correlate this much to the hunt the good stuff that we've talked about previously? I
1: I would. I absolutely would. Because in anything that happens there, you could find a positive, you know, um, a little bit extreme. But if you get in a car accident, right, and you walk away from it, well, that's a positive. You walked away. It could have been so much worse. Yeah, you totaled your car, but you walked away. So there's still a positive in something as serious as a car accident. So there's always something. It's just a matter of can you find it? And you're not going to find it in the heat of the moment, but later you may be like, well, at least I'm alive.
0: Yeah. I would definitely correlate that also with, you know, just thinking long-term because, you know, you're, you're, you're hunting for that good stuff, but at the same time, you could probably like think long-term in this. Okay. So the end state of X, Y, and Z is, this is what I see, you know, a positive point and it allows you to get to that point. Right. So you're, you're kind of getting through the trenches or, or motivating yourself to get through the trenches when you have to, to reach that elevated level because we all love the, you know, that feel good drugs of uh, serotonin and oxytocin, you
1: know? Yeah, no, Oh no, no, I agree. Yeah. You definitely are looking for that feel good moment.
0: All right. So resilience is key to motivation and our purpose. The key to that is our why. So when you understand both of those as listeners, you, you will become a little bit more aware of your emotional state and help you with your emotional intelligence. Let's move on to number four, which is empathy. You're going to put yourself in other people's shoes to help understand their emotional state. This will help you understand the wants, needs, and correlate their viewpoints of each of those wants and needs. and will allow you to react in a worthy manner according to Others' emotions, a highly useful reaction for you is being calm to help others be calm. So empathy. Mm. <laughs> I can say from my own, like that was that was a tough thing for me for a while because, you know, it's it, you have people that they'll try to use their emotions to get what they want, and they want you to empathize so you'll see it their way or you'll give them what they want. I found over time that empathy is not a weakness in that. it's my reaction to that empathy that's the weakness. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, this one, so I remember we had to write a paper uh where we worked at about this one and and you know at the time I was like this is this is ridiculous, but then I learned some stuff about empathy, and I also saw as I advanced at that at that job. That yeah, that, that was needed. I, I do think it was needed because there was a few people. Um, but empathy, so we we had a leadership capital episode, correct? And I think empathy absolutely is crucial to developing that leadership capital. Because if you want to to earn the respect and loyalty of your team, of your subordinates, of your soldiers, of your section, then you need to be empathetic. You need to show them you care by being empathetic. If you're cold and callous all the time. You're probably gonna get cold and college treatment back. You're not gonna build that that relationship with the capital um but I do think a lot of people struggle with this
0: and it can be it's because well, you know we we link empathy automatically to weakness as it is in you're weak because you're so empathy yep. instead what we what we'll need to do is to be able to link empathy in our thought process, so you use it to think, okay, I see why they made that decision. And I understand. So it kind of helps you see their viewpoint. Doesn't mean that it was the right decision or that, you know, they did the right thing, but it allows you to help come up maybe with a better solution or a better reaction to the situation. Empathy, it also, in a sense, to me, it de-escalates your emotion. That's the way I see it. It helps me de-escalate because maybe I sh- I'm overreacting to something that's really not that bad. You know, let's say my kids are doing something in the house and they break something um, that, you know, is sitting on the counter. Now, can I overreact and be like, whoa, what are you doing? You know, act like that. Or I think to myself, well, I have to have some empathy. I was a kid once, too. I made mistakes. So now let's talk about it. Hey, listen, guys, let's let's make sure we don't do these things because this is what happens. Now, I'm not mad at you. But I and, and I see I see what happened. But we we have to you know make sure we don't do it. Make sure you clean it up. That's a way better reaction than blowing up at. Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, I think embassy, The struggle is sometimes it's harder to put yourself in somebody's position, right? So let's think about again uh, the instructor job that we had. Well, when we were in the other side and we were students, I mean that's been ten years things have changed in 10 years. So it's, it's a little more difficult, you know, and you want to be like, well, when I went and I did this, it was this and this and this, and it was so much harder than what you guys have. Uh, you know, like, like now it's all instructor, uh, facilitated, like student led discussions, 80% of the time students talking 20% the instructor. Well, when you and I went through it was all instructors led. They they did all the talking, right? All we did is took notes and tab papers. So to understand what they're going through, that takes some creativity on you as a leader to be able to put yourself in the shoes of, uh, of those that you work with. And, and so there's some ways to work on your empathy. And I know I've had to work on mine.
0: Hey, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, reverse your comment there of 10 years ago. Uh, it's been 17 years, buddy. I'm just gonna let you know.
1: Oh, for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, putting yourself in other people's shoes. It's just, I'm telling you ever since I started doing that more, I feel like, uh, the relationships I've, I are building, you know, they're, they're, they're becoming better because I'm able to see things their way. So let's, uh, let's talk about some s- solutions to success with this.
1: All right. Well, the first one we've kind of talked about is put yourself in someone else's position. So it's easy to support your own point of view because it's mine. It's my point of view. But you got to look at a situation from other people's perspectives. And, and like I said, this is one that can be a little bit more difficult. But putting yourself in somebody else's position, seeing what they see, you know, the old saying, uh, something about walking a mile in my shoes kind of plays right here. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. Uh, you talk about that seeing, seeing what they see. Um, you gave me the book, the three meter zone. I was just reading it last night and he talked about it in it. He said that he had some of the best advice he ever received was from this Sergeant major or first one. I can't remember exactly who it was. He said, when somebody has an issue, just remember, you probably had that same issue. So you may be able to help them through that issue.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's another. So even though it's a military context, it's an excellent book. And I think it's a good leadership book, uh, period. I, a lot of times we take civilian style leadership books like Simon Sinek and we flip it and make it make sense in the military side of the house. But I think that's a military one that you could flip and make sense in the civilian world.
0: Absolutely. So what are some of the things we can also do to help us with this being you know, to empathize with others.
1: Pay attention to the body language. So when you learn to read somebody's body language, it can be an asset for you as a leader, because you'll better be better able to determine how someone truly feels. And it gives you an opportunity to respond appropriately. So when you understand body language, you know, when they're lying to you, or when they're saying, hey, things are great. All right. Uh, You know, this goes back to our suicide episode. You you look at their body language, it might tell you something that, Hey, there's something going on here and I need to dig a little deeper and figure out what it is. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. I feel like over the past, uh, I'd say four years that that's, that's one of those areas that I've been trying to hone in on is, is, body language and understanding it a little bit more. Um, because it's funny, you can, you can almost correlate how somebody's going to perform and say in a task, when you look at their body language, when you're explaining to them what you need done, it, it, almost every time, if they're just looking down at the ground, just happen to have their phone out, or they're just kind of like looking away from you, normally you're going to get a subpar product back. But if you see them, they're doing, they're looking at you, their are head nodding, they're almost in agreement, and and everyone's going to get, yeah, okay. You You kind of see that they're getting what it is that you need done. And you're getting better, a better product in a sense. So it's just, that's just a one way that I see it, but I mean, everything from, you know, somebody sitting there in front of you and they got their arms folded, you know, doesn't always mean that they're crossing you off because, you know, I mean, how many times, I don't know how many times I'd talk with the, the bearded ninja and, you know, he's just, he's just sitting back in the chair with his arms folded we're having conversation. That's just his natural comfort. Yeah. You know? no, I so agree. you have to just be aware of that too.
1: Yeah, I agree. So that one's, it's funny you mentioned that one because when we first got to the job, that was a big thing is you couldn't stand with your arms crossed because you were closed off. And I think somebody just got a hair, you know, a hair of information a little, and they were like, Oh, that's so awesome. That's good information. That's what that means. But I can tell you it's really weird. Cause I question whether or not that's hereditary because my siblings sit with their arms crossed when they watch TV I do it, and then when we go see our parents, my dad is there watching TV with his arms crossed, and he's not closed off. It's just natural. I don't think it can really be hereditary, but if you've seen my family all at once, you're like, maybe it is. yeah and and obviously
0: you're watching something so that you're interested in most likely so you're not you're not trying to block it off you know as as suggested but you know one of the things though about that body language thing that i've noticed also is other people will mimic your body language it's funny if you're doing something or you're you're showing like a certain type of uh, motion or gesture sometimes they'll do the same thing like when I want somebody like, for instance, if I want somebody to do something and and I say, well, wouldn't you agree? I usually shake my head up and down while I'm saying, wouldn't you agree as I'm doing right now? And no one can see me. Uh, but <laughs> but normally you'll get the same gesture back from them. It, it's funny. You just have to watch and see. I mean, try it, watch and see. But I'm, But I'm body really- language, though, is very key.
1: I'm absolutely going to try that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. So we talked about body language. What's another one?
1: All right. So the other one I have is respond to feelings. This is just basically, you know, you need to address somebody's feelings when you recognize them and it could be simple. You know, I I have, so I have, let's say specialist Anderson. I'm like, Hey, it's Friday. Everybody's going home, but I need you to do close out for the system. And you could immediately kind of tell that he's like, right. But if you reinforce that with, hey, I really appreciate you helping me out, you know what? Hey, come in at nine on Monday as opposed to 6 30. Now I build some capital because he recognized, I recognized that he didn't really, wasn't really feeling like staying, but I also comped him some time and that builds that capital. So you just got to respond to the feelings and that comes from paying attention. Uh, to someone else's position, pay attention to their body language and be an empathetic leader.
0: Yeah, and, you know, and it's also, if you think about it, because you can't always give that, that, you know, like time off or something like to somebody. But like, for instance, if like, say you did notice that individual was down because they'd stay late, just giving them words of encouragement, it could even help them, you know, of, hey, listen, you know, I appreciate you and the work that you do. And that's why I need your skill set of sorts to get this job done. You know, it's, you know, responding to other people, it can go to, you can go either really negative or positive. It just depends upon how, you know, how you respond and your emotions are in check towards their emotions.
1: Yeah. You know, like I remember as a young Sergeant, we used to have to do a report and we had to do a report on the same day of the month, every month. So that day may fall on a Saturday. Well, when I showed up, I was showing up with some donuts or some orange juice or something, because I know the soldier don't want to be there. You know, the, the two soldiers don't want to be there, but just responding to their feelings and giving them something comforting, something to be like, you know what, that, that shows you care. And I'm building a win street with them soldiers. And I can tell you that those soldiers that I had at that point to this day, they'd probably do anything for me. And they, we're talking 10, 12 years ago.
0: Yeah, it it's just it comes down to that you you empathize to the position they were in and you were able to kinda you basically kinda made your way through those rough waters of being a leader. Yeah. Or an influencer. Yeah. So to speak. All right, so let's move on. We're going to our final uh, competency, which is social skills, have, which is having the ability to communicate with others no matter their circumstance or situation, uh, and, and then being a team player who creates an atmosphere or environment of positive movement forward to, towards success. And social skills also, they tend to open up the doors of success for others through a positive affirmation uh, and motivation. And the foundation of this is really relationship building. you know. So social skills, relationship building. You have to link the two, but the two link through communication. So what are you thinking?
1: Uh, on that one, I'm thinking that one's kind of going into that. So I think somebody with some good social skills, they're going to be good at building a cohesive team. They're going to build trust by helping teammates gain understanding, acceptance, and respect for each other. That's a big thing, that building the team. Uh, whether you're in an office and you got three people on your team or you're in a, you know, a, a platoon in the military and you've got 15 people on your team. The unity and cohesion, that, that that's important because what it does is it lets uh, them engage in creative conflict, which in turn builds the commitment and loyalty necessary to overcome difficult challenges. And there's that word loyalty that I like. So I think those social skills are very important. And, and sometimes younger soldiers, first time away from mommy and daddy, maybe they struggle here. So you have to learn how to help build their social skills. It's also critical in a game of Survivor, yeah. by the way.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So let me, um, I have another great book. Um, it's actually written by Gary Chapman and Paul White. Um Many people out there may have heard of the five love languages, right? So that's what Gary Chapman, he wrote it, but he did another one. It's the five languages of appreciation in the workplace. And one of the key things I was uh, looking at just the other day, and I found this to be fascinating. So when we think about this, think about our social skills, but when relationships are not nurtured by a sense of appreciation, the results are predictable. Team members will experience a lack of connectedness, with others, and with the mission of the organization. Workers will tend to become discouraged, feeling there is always more to do and no one appreciates what I'll do. Often, employees will begin to complain about their work, their colleagues, and their supervisor. Eventually, team members start to think seriously about leaving the organization and they begin to search for other employment. So what we're getting at is is a lack of the social skills or a lack of uh, positive affirmation of what's going on can actually turn that negative feeling even worse and eventually drive people away. So whether you know, and this was just talking about in the workplace, you can use this same thing in say, a group, a community, uh, a sport, uh, sports team, um, in a friendship family. Family. Yeah. Family. You know, I hate to be around negative people. I could, I mean, like if somebody's always negative all the time, I just don't, I don't, I don't want to be around them. I mean, it's just because it just gives you this like, again, you know, I want to be around happier individuals or, you know, and I don't mind if if somebody tries to give me positive words of affirmation. I usually like, I probably shouldn't do it so much, but I block them off and and be like, oh no, that's because of you. You know what I mean? Like I, I try to reverse it on them because i'm I don't know I just don't I'm not one who likes to be praised in a sense, but sometimes it does feel good to have you know uh, you know somebody praising you for something you really did do well or you worked hard on it sometimes it's nice, so yeah, what do you got, man?
1: so I'm gonna go back to our good friend, the bearded ninja, so he didn't really praise so much, but you know the bearded ninja hand picks who works for him. And when he plucked me to go over there and work for him, that was a great feeling. That's praise. He praised me. He just didn't verbally praise me. But to say, hey, there's this many people here who are qualified to come over there, I'm pulling you. That that was an amazing feeling. So that, that is important. Um, you know, and, and those social skills are so crucial. Like you said, it can be important anywhere that can be important at home you know even dealing with your spouse that can be very important or your children which i don't have to worry about that so much anymore but uh, i have adults but still i still need those social skills with my adults so yeah i know this one's pretty important it's not as important as that self-awareness though because uh i think self-awareness still feeds into social skills
0: well, and that's why self-awareness was number 1, yep. you know. Um because all of this feeds back cuz you have to have self-awareness first. You literally there's none of these other things can be first. You have to have self-awareness to be effective in all the other four. Um so let's talk about some of the solutions to success with this and what we came up with. Please.
1: All right. Uh first of all, learning conflict resolution So you need to know how to resolve a conflict between the team members. So not just necessarily you, but maybe you have a conflict with somebody who is beneath you too. So you need it for them, but you need it amongst yourselves. Then if you have customers, so I worked in a warehouse, I have customers. And that was one of the things I had to do early because I had to resolve some conflicts that had been going on in that warehouse between senior warrant officers and young sergeants and you know what I mean? So one of my first tasks was to, uh, learn some conflict resolution and how to deal with these senior warrant officers. And one of them, we'll just call him QB. Uh, I learned a lot just dealing with that person and, and you know who I'm talking about. You might not know it, but you know, no, I know. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. And I learned from him and, and being able, and after a while, so he used to come down there, and he would micromanage the process in, in my warehouse, and after a while, I think I got that trust from him, and he stopped coming down with his people because I had resolved that conflict effectively.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, I, I I've, uh, I dealt with that that uh, gentleman many times, and to tell you the truth, I loved him. I loved him for what he he tried to do, and I understood what he was doing. He, um, he was all, always very inquisitive, inquisitive about things, you know. Uh, but, yeah, uh. So when we look at this, we learn about conflict resolution and how to deal with it. I really, to tell you the truth, it's hard to do this unless you create a habit of it. Because sometimes you, we don't realize we're in a conflict or there's some type of conflict going on and we don't adjust fire, so to speak, or re-engage the uh, problem with the I'm thinking mindset versus I'm just reacting mindset because reaction and just taking action like boom make it happen sometimes that can uh that can backfire but uh, there are times when it doesn't backfire and it actually is successful it's just kind of knowing when is the right time and understanding good conflict management and conflict resolution that's key i i that was actually that was one of my college courses uh, during my master's program of conflict resolution. And I will tell you that there are so many methods out there to kind of look at it. It's just unbelievable. And when we link when we link this article, one of the articles, because we have multiple ones, one of the articles in the uh, the show notes go into it because they actually have a little bit of a a survey type thing where you can uh, you can evaluate your ability uh to understand conflict resolution.
1: Yeah. And so that's another one that I learned. Um I learned as I matured, you know, as I matured as a as a leader, I, I continued learning. So lifelong learning. And um so I remember it was a young sergeant and and I'm a sergeant. He's a sergeant, right? And he wanted uh bolt cutters. And I said, for what? And he's like, well, there's a red padlock on my vehicle. And I said, yeah, I put that there because your dispatch is overdue. So when you turn in your miles, I'll go take my lock off. And I thought that I had solved the problem. So I go to the the restroom and I come back and this guy is trying to get my subordinate soldiers to give him the bolt cutter so he can cut my lock. And it got very, very heated with lots of profanity thrown at each other. And almost got physical. I'll be honest with you, so I started off the right way. I tried to resolve it, and then when he responded the way he did, I just let myself uh, come unglued. I didn't regulate myself. I lost control, and that's why I say. So that's me as a sergeant E5. Now, fast forward a few years, it probably would have went down a lot different, right? Like it, it wouldn't have resulted in all that screaming and shouting because now I sent that message to my soldiers too. And it, definitely not a proud moment, but it's one of those things I think about when I think about conflict uh, resolution.
0: That's great. I mean, that's a, that's actually a real good story that kind of links to all of that, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. So next step. Oh, next step. This is a f- theme for us. We talk about this a lot, but improving your communication skills. How do you communicate? So let's go back. Conflict resolution. How I communicate with that individual initially, I thought was good enough. Once he responded in a stern way with me, then I have to, I countered him. And when, if I had just killed him with kindness, it would have been different, but it's how you talk to people. And there's quizzes on your communication skills that you'll see as well. Um, back to the, the guy that used to cuss at me a lot when I was a young soldier, Same thing. His communication skills were not effective, and his peer group would not help him. If he asked them to sweep some rocks, they wouldn't have done it. If he asked them to do anything, they wouldn't have done it unless they absolutely had to, because of how he communicated. So, communication is so key, and it's so much more than my message and how you receive it. It's also that feedback piece.
0: Exactly. You know, we we've talked about communication multiple times, and soon we're going to be recording the influencing is communicating uh episode but you know it's funny we can communicate in so many ways in so many ways in today's technology but at times it's almost like we don't even have a way of communicating because the, the how much people can try to communicate uh but so what what do we get next
1: this is the last one that i have um, and we talked about this when we talked about resilience, but it's learn how to praise others because praising your subordinates—that's how you build those winning streaks and build that capital, and it's how you inspire and influence your soldiers uh, and, and get their loyalty. It's how you build your team. That's a big thing. Just simply saying, "Hey, I noticed that you did da 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 da. Hey, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. Thank you." It, it sounds some people say, well, that sounds cheesy, but why, why is it cheesy to tell somebody, Hey, you did a good job. I appreciate it. Thank you. Because I mean, that to me is, is a big time skill to have is to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. Praise can come in so many forms. It can be a simple thank you sometimes, or it can be, you know, you did X, Y, and Z for this organization. We are truly appreciative of this. It, it could be giving people, You know, praise in public. We talk about, you know, it's the punish in private, praise in public. Well, praise in public. Do it in front of other people and let that builds them up. And you're creating that that also that atmosphere and that environment that you're approachable. People want to talk to you when they feel like that you're praising them. You know, Uh, you know, one of the key things, too, about social skills that, you know, when we talk about communicating that I would definitely say is. You can you can help this by getting when people uh, you're you're trying to find out how somebody's feeling about something, because obviously, you know, feelings are feelings are important to understanding emotional intelligence. I mean, that's you get down to it. It's like, okay, well, emotional intelligence, their emotions, their feelings. And some people will be like, well, emotions don't matter. Well, no, it does matter because how they feel will result in a certain level of productivity. And. When you're able to kind of allow them to, you know, to vent or to talk to you about this, it one on one, it gets it off their chest Two, it shows that you're somebody who's understanding. And as a person of influence, if you can be understanding and allow others to talk, sometimes that's all they need and you'll influence them and you don't even realize it.
1: Yeah, no, a hundred percent. You just... I know we were all, I'm not a feelings kind of person, but you have to understand their feelings. You have to. It's so crucial in leadership.
0: All right. So we've gone over these five steps um, and they are all key. And we've already said that, you know, the most important one is self-awareness, but you also need the other ones to help you along. My question this week to you as an audience is which one of those sets do you need the most work in or steps do you need the most work in and how do you expect to get that done so which one of the steps do you need the most work in and how do you plan to improve upon that step that's this week's question for this particular episode what do you got Add anything
1: I I gotta cut I, I was gonna say I gotta cut you off Brian so what you're saying is you want them to identify their strengths and weaknesses. Am I correct?
0: Absolutely. Well, really identify their weakness.
1: What, doesn't that go right back to the beginning of the episode self-awareness, self-regulation?
0: That's exactly what we're doing. We're starting like from it. step one <laughs> and then, and then they're allowed to go, th- you know, they're going to go through and they're going to help themselves by looking at all the others. But if they are able to look at step one and be able to say this, it will help them along. <clears throat> All right. So that's it for today's show. We've kind of covered the realm of emotional intelligence and how you know how you can better improve your emotional intelligence and your emotional intelligence state to be become a better influencer. I would tell you if you have a chance to check out uh Daniel Goldman's emotional intelligence book, do so. There are plenty of articles out there that we're gonna link a few to the the show notes um, that will help you understand a little bit more. Understand this that when dealing with emotional intelligence and and trying to understand it and become more proficient in it you are going to unlock a whole nother realm of becoming an influencer you're you're going to see that it's going to open up doorways for you to help others become their better self and that's the whole point about being an influencer it's not to influence people to do bad or do wrong but literally to influence them, to help them become their better self. I know just doing this podcast alone itself has helped me because every week we're doing all this research and I'm learning a little bit here and there. I'm taking pieces and I'm, and I'm, I'm correlating it to what has already happened in my life and it's made it so much nicer to be able to, you know, tell, to try to make myself better and to do that by helping those of you out there. Ed, you got anything over there?
1: Yeah, last thing I want to say, and and I got this from the book Leading with Honor from Lee Ellis, right? So it says, authentic leaders proactively identify the shackles that hold them back and lean into the pain to break free and grow. As you gain your own freedom, begin helping others to do the same. Start by avoiding bitterness, connect with your emotions, and doing the right thing, even when it's difficult. And in my mind, That's what this podcast is all about. It's all about figuring out and going through the pain of adjusting how we do things and then helping others around us with our influence.
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, people can get more involved if they want. All they need to do is go to Facebook, type in one zero one influence in the search bar at the top. It's going to bring you to the Instinctive Influencer podcast page, but don't stop there. There's a little blue button that says visit group. Go click that button, answer the three questions to give us a little bit of information about you, and then be a part of that group. By being a part of that group, you go in, you answer the questions. You know, when we ask the questions on the podcast, those are posted to that group that's where it's posted. So when you want to, you're like, Oh, well, you know, how do I answer if he, if he asked this question about which one of these skills, that's where you go to answer. And then we learn from each other and we help each other out. We encourage each other on there. Also, you can check out Twitter our Instagram. Um, we're both on LinkedIn. So, you know, give us a holler on LinkedIn, you know, connect with us. Also, we have a website and we're trying to do as much as we can with it. So just, you know, start looking at, you know, all these different areas and be a part of what we have going on here. If the minimum, at the minimum, please go on and rate and review this show. It allows us to, uh, to move up in the charts one, but also it allows us to see where we stand, you know, as uh, compared to other podcasts, you know, you know, give us uh, give us a decent review and be honest. We encourage honest feedback on what you think about the show. Wouldn't you say, Ed?
1: Oh yeah. If you if you don't give honest feedback, we can't improve. What we don't know is going on. So the honest feedback is is pretty important.
0: Absolutely, and i I've definitely enjoyed so far. I mean, we're. This should be episode 17 we're into now. And they say, I read I did a little reading, Ed, um, that it says if you get past 10, you're doing really well.
1: <laughs> well, we've recorded past 10, so that's a good thing. No,
0: absolutely. So, but uh, do you have anything else for the, the audience, Ed?
1: No, I think that's about it for this time.
0: Absolutely. So I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. We thank you very much. Have a good day.